it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. Happy Monday. It's a new day. It's a new week and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. There's three ways that you can support the Business Beauty Network podcast. You can just click subscribe wherever you're listening to right now. You can also become a supporter. You can support the podcast with any amount. Just click the link in the show notes on how to support the podcast. Did you know that we have a merch brand? That's right. The Business Beauty Network actually has its own merch. We have Business Beauty Network t-shirts and a variety of other graphic t-shirts as well. Our number one selling t-shirt is Prayer is a Part of My Business Plan. You can check out all of the t-shirts and the information in the show notes. All of the proceeds support the podcast. Now that we have all of that out of the way, we have an awesome episode in store for you. I had the pleasure of interviewing Stephanie LaFlora. In fact, the music that's playing in this episode and in the background right now is by Stephanie. She is a producer. Her producer name is Huga, and you can actually find her on SoundCloud and Spotify. Um, Huga is spelled H-Y-G-G-E. So check her out on SoundCloud. All of that information will be in the show notes as well. But I really enjoyed meeting Stephanie. I met Stephanie a few months ago at another event, and I love learning more about her story. I believe she has a phenomenal mission and story. And Stephanie is an example of being the change that you want to see in the world because she saw a need and instead of just complaining about it or just talking about it, she created a solution for it. But here is a little bit of Stephanie's bio. Stephanie LaFlora is a mother, wife, creative and rebel and a black woman. She believes that it's about time for someone like her to lead change and disrupt a global industry. With over 10 years of experience as a business and brand strategist for enterprise, media, finance, tech, retail, and social service organizations, Stephanie is passionate about uncovering the authentic voice of brands and telling brand and user stories through multi-platform outlets. She founded Crown Hut in April 2020. Her mission is to help the hair industry professionals have access to relevant education for textured hair and better understand how to serve their clients and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and learn more about Crown Hunt for sure. If you are an educator or looking for more education on textured hair, then this show is for you. Tune in and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Stephanie LaFlora. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. I'm super excited to talk to you today, Stephanie. Before we get into all the awesome things you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Uh, okay. Um, so one fun fact about me is that I actually produce music for fun. Uh, I have a SoundCloud, so like that kind of a producer uh, account. And I, over the pandemic, I was in need of things to do just like everybody else. And I produced, uh, I think something like over 60 different songs during the pandemic. And they're all on SoundCloud. Uh, Huga is my like name as a producer at H-Y-G-G-E. It's a 
Swedish word that is oh. basically means like comfort. And I just like the idea of like audio comfort is what I'm trying to create. Uh, so yeah, that's a random fact about me. And I have an album on, um, on Spotify that you can listen to. It's called This Is Fun. And the artist is Love Logic. That's the friend who that I collaborated with and I produced the music for that. Last tag, who got? Three and out, you know how we do. Yeah. Both well, I'm just here to provide highs, minus the dope sale. Give it a little time, they'll be riding my coattails. Illness nigga alive, yeah, the title fits so well. Awesome. I didn't even know that, Stephanie. That is <laughs> awesome. So you're a music producer. Like, what type of music? Uh, Primarily hip-hop and R&B. Uh, that's the type of tracks I usually make. But it's totally for fun. <laughs> I do not consider myself a serious musician, but... Uh, I do that for fun and it's just a creative outlet for me. Awesome. I'm going to definitely include, I'm going to get your SoundCloud link and include that in the show notes. And I want to okay. play a snippet too. So we'll put, we'll have to edit a snippet in of some of your music in the um, audio there. I'm excited. That's, I love that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. You know, um, Sometimes you need a creative outlet. You would not believe mine. I actually like to design on, in Canva for fun. Oh, I get that. Canva, I think, is like one of the best apps of all time. Like, I use that so much. We use that with Crown Hunt. Like, it's critical yes. to be able to produce stuff quickly. Uh, I, I, I agree. I say Canva is bae, right? It really <laughs> is. is bae. Like, it really I use is. it so often now. It's like I couldn't even imagine life without it. But yeah, I love just to design and create and play around and figure out new things. So um, that's interesting that you become a producer to produce 60 songs and you have an album. Wow. <laughs> so definitely we got to play some music. I want to hear it. So I'm definitely going to pop in a song and um, let a, the audience hear that. But that is great. So let's tell me about your background because you didn't start off in beauty. In fact, you have like a branding and you, you worked with different brands as a brand strategist and finance and all these things. So tell us a little bit about your background before we get into what you do now. Yeah, I've been in the tech industry for um, a little bit under a decade. I work in marketing in the tech industry um, and specifically data tech. Uh, so that's what kind of brought me to Colorado. I'm originally from Chicago. That brought me out to Colorado to be part of that tech scene out there. So I love that as my background. I love tech a lot. Um, I think that it has room to grow. I think that it um, there's a lot more players and diverse players that have not really been able to excel in that uh, industry, but I think that it's starting to happen now. And I hope to be one of those players as well with the product that we have, Crown Hunt. Awesome. So you have a technology background and um, I noticed as well, you worked with a lot of different brands Did you help them with their tech side or was it the branding side? Yeah, so I did a lot of consulting um, with different brands. Really, it was about um, data. So it's kind of nerdy. This is like my background. But I worked with a lot of different brands to help them basically figure out how they were going to um, create products and strategy to support um, the audience that they have. And we were looking data to do that. So that was a lot of the work that I did. But I also have always experimented with branding on my own. Like I would just pop up a, a e-commerce site or something like that and basically experiment and try to create stuff that I like and so that's always been something I kind of do on the side and, and enjoy. Great great branding is a big thing marketing and branding I feel like it's something that's very important but sometimes people sleep on it and it may be just for the lack of knowing how to you know handle it and tackle it that thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal, though, right? Like everything that we think about the products that you use and that you love, a lot of times, most of the time, that those those products are something that the first thing that brought you in was the aesthetic. It was the messaging. It was the vibe. 
And so, you know, my recommendation to anybody who has any kind of company at all, if marketing is not your thing, don't skip it. Find someone who um, can connect with you and help you with that that also cares about your organization and like what you're doing so they can take that passion and translate it into an aesthetic that people love. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Like it's something you can't ignore. So if it's not your thing, you definitely need to hire someone to help you with that for sure. Yeah. And it's critical. It matters so much. It really does. And it doesn't have to cost crazy amounts of money. Um, You just need people who are talented and are storytellers. And if you get that, you'll be able to make something cool. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And I think that what it is, is the brands that win are the ones that can tell their story properly. You know, Mm -hmm. those are the ones that seem to really succeed in the market for sure. Definitely. And the ones who can reflect stories too, like who's, who are the people that you are trying to reach? When they interact with your brand, do they feel seen? Do they feel heard? If you can do that, you can, you, you win. I love that. I love that. You know, just, you know, talking to your ideal client, you got to know them. And then once you know them, telling that story and making sure that they see themselves within your branding. I love that for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to get into what you're doing now, but I want you to tell us a story because you have an interesting story because I know you moved from Chicago to Colorado. So tell Mm -hmm. us how uh, how the journey from when you moved there to where you are now. Let's take us through that a little bit. Yeah. So when I moved to Colorado, it was kind of a trip because I had just gotten engaged and I um, didn't know anybody in Colorado. I had never even been to Colorado. And um, a company out there was interested in me. And so they flew me out to check them out, check out the city. And it just, I knew it was the right thing for me to do right away. So we decided to move while we were engaged. We were planning the wedding still in Chicago. So it was pretty wild. Um, But something that I had never thought about ever was who's going to do my hair. Like I just, it just didn't occur to me. And to give you some perspective, in case you don't know much about the Boulder area of Colorado, you know, I was the first black employee at my company and I, that town Boulder has less than 1% black people. So I never really realized that the way that I always got my hair done was through word of mouth. You know, like I would go and basically find my next hairstylist from someone recommending, you know, someone, but it was always from another black woman. And so here I am in a city and I don't have any black people that I know who, how do I get my hair done? So I learned quickly that uh, Googling black hair salon is not a thing uh, because it's called Stephanie salon. You know, it's not, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. not um, called, you know, black hair salon or whatever. So that wasn't a thing. And then I just didn't know where to go. So I just started to go to salons near me. So in Boulder and Denver, and I know there are Black salons in Denver. It's not like they don't exist. I just didn't really have a way to find them at the time. Um, And so I was just going to different salons near me. And one by one, they all rejected me. I mean, I didn't even get into the chair. Like I'm sitting in the lobby at the front desk and they're like, no, we can't do your hair. And I have 4C, you know, thick hair. So I would come in with my Afro. And they were like, we cannot do this hair. And so, um, you know, I started asking questions like, what is going on? Like, why, why can't you service me? And that's when they let me know that they did not learn how to do my hair texture in cosmetology school. And that was really shocking to me. I honestly thought that was not true. I thought they were lying and just trying to get me out the place. And I started doing research and learned that that's actually a real thing. And so, you know, with my tech background and working in startups and being in that kind of environment, I immediately saw that this was a big opportunity uh, to create a business and to fill in this gap. And that's how Crown Hunt was born. Awesome. It's interesting how sometimes it'll be an issue that we face ourselves and Mm -hmm. we decide to become the solution because it must have been something about that experience that made you want to become the solution because you could have just said well maybe I'll just watch some YouTube videos or 
figure out somebody in Denver and drive a little further out or whatever it may have been, but you wanted to create a solution. So why was that so important for you? Well, I mean, I think I've always um, fantasized really about being an entrepreneur. Um, So I I think I've always been subconsciously looking for the right thing to create. Um, I also love hair. I'm passionate about hair. Anybody who knows me knows that every time you see me, I have a different hairstyle, different hair color, different hair texture. I rock wigs. I rock my natural. I rock twists, braids, whatever. Like I love hair. And so the idea that I can combine something that I love with a real need and create a product that fills a real gap was just cool to me. It was it was cool to be able to do that. And I also just love that you know, Madam um, C.J. Walker was the first Black mil- female millionaire. I think actually just the first Black millionaire. And I love that her story. And I love like, I just love the idea of building a legacy and wealth off of something that is so naturally important and revered in the Black community. Um, and Crown Hunt is not exclusively Black, but it is, I think it our intention is to pay homage to Black culture and the pioneers and innovators in this space, and it will always have that flavor. Great. So the average person, though, Stephanie, may have some type of issue. Like, I know I've had experience with my hair. I've had experience with my nails, but I didn't decide to create a company. You know, so <laughs> so let's go. Like, I want you to I want you to go to like the idea, like when you first thought of Crown Hunt or just not yeah. even, it might not even had even been Crown Hunt at that time, but you thought of like, maybe I could create a company that speaks to this problem. Like, how did you come up with the concept? What was your thought process when you created this company? Yeah, that's a good question. So I actually initially um, was thinking about it from a consumer perspective because it's like, um, you know, my problem was that I couldn't find a stylist that could give me the look that I wanted. And so that was really where I started. But, um, you know, with my background, I'm used to doing research and doing focus groups and basically learning as much as I can before I create something. And so during that process, what we learned, and we knew education was a gap, but we weren't quite sure how to enter that space because like when it comes to, you know, cosmetology schools and stuff like there's a ton of red tape because there's like licensing and permits and all these things that people have to do. So we weren't sure if that was the right space, but as we did this research and we started talking to folks, we realized that like, there's actually people out there creating classes and we wanted to partner with them to then offer that to the stylists that, you know, we're looking for that continuing education. So my, I think that it began with me thinking about the consumer, but then as we dug into it deeper, I realized that the whole industry really was in need of, um, a change and that was to be more inclusive and that texture absolutely matters. And um, I think especially with consumers or, or clients or people really wearing natural hair and that's everybody, that's not just black people. You know, there's there's Italians and Greek women and all these other kind of people that are starting to rock their hair more curly rather than straightening, straightening it every day. And they can't find stylists either. So, um, you know, I think that it really began with the consumer side, but then this education gap is like so critical that the only way to really influence the consumer experience, I think, is through being able to actually go from the ground floor and start to create more opportunities where people can learn how to do our hair better. Interesting. I asked that because I, I think it's absolutely phenomenal that you took on the task to, you know, provide education. And I want to um, explain to the listeners exactly what Crown Hunt does. And I want you, I'll have you do that momentarily. But before we go into that, it's something that you said. You said when you were um, they when you were looking for someone to do your hair, you're being turned away. They told you that they just weren't educated on how to do curly hair, or texture hair. Mm-hmm. And you didn't believe that to be true. And it's interesting because I remember I used to say 
that for us, like for African-American people, you couldn't just go to school and learn how to do hair. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a gift. And the reason why, and I still feel that way because our hair is so unique. And you, it, it, it's a work of art and we can be very creative with it. We can do so many things that every, you know, all textures can't do with their hair. And so what, what people have failed to realize is our hair, while people felt like our hair was hard or difficult or whatever, it's actually all amazing. It's very unique. And you can do so many things with it. And I think that's what makes it even uh, more expressive than other textures. It's all the things that we can do with our hair. But it's interesting that as African-American women or people with texture hair, we had to be more creative. And we all we had to know, like as a kid, how to handle our hair, but even to this day, is something that isn't taught in cosmetology schools. And I love that instead of you going to the school route, you're like, yeah, I don't know if I could do the school route because of all the licensing and all that. But what I can do is provide a platform that can provide the education needed. So now I want you to really break down exactly what Crown Hunt does. Sure. Crown Hunt is a marketplace of online classes. Um, we look, we're looking to do in-person too, but Crown Hunt is the marketplace of online classes for textured hair um, that we offer to stylists. So stylists wanna come in and do continuing education. They can get access to our classes and they can do a continuing education. We also typically offer pretty steep discounts on a lot of the classes as well, um, just to make it affordable for people and we're partnering currently with educators. So if you're listening to this and you are a person who teaches a class or has something online, uh, either about hair, you know, doing the hair itself or even the hair business, we are looking for that. So please hit us up. I will say my email right now <laughs> so that anybody who's listening can do that. It's stephanie at crownhuntapp.io. And our website is crownhunt.io. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what it is. But I think what we're really doing is creating a platform um, that is all about textured hair, everything to do with it. You know, we're looking to expand quite a bit. Um, and so as we do that, we'll have more to offer, but we're really trying to tackle this problem holistically. And we're starting with education. Great. And I think education is a great place to start because that's what is lacking within the industry. There's a lack of education on texture hair, even amongst people who have texture hair. Let's let's be honest. Well, I mean, Um, if it's not there, it's not there. Right. Like we don't make I mean, there are definitely um, some incredible black owned cosmetology schools out there. But depending on where you're located in the country, you know, you're going to a school near you and you may not have been exposed to those schools. And so if you're hitting up the Paul Mitchells, the Vedas, all those type of places, like you're not gonna get that education no matter what you look like. So to me, it's crazy that, you know, you go pay $20,000 to attend a school, get your license, and then they didn't even teach you how to do your own community's hair. (laughs) You have to like go back to your community with the skills that you already had in a lot of ways. I mean, of course, they're teaching you how to, you know, deal with chemicals and different things like that. There's a lot of things that they do train you on that's still important, but there's a huge missing gap that allows you to really be able to do amazing things on textured hair. And I think also like, even as new styles come out, as new looks come out, the way that you actually style hair is depending on the texture. The products you use are depending on the texture. So if there's nothing out there to even help you figure that out, even if you've already gotten education, how do you apply that when you are sitting, you have somebody sitting in your chair with a Pinterest photo and, (laughs) you know, their hair texture looks nothing like the person in the photo. Do people feel empowered and equipped to be able to have that conversation with that person? or to be able to style their hair. And that's really what we're trying to do is create a lot more confidence, confidence in the stylist to be able to do anyone who walks in the door to be able to style their hair well. And then also confidence for the consumer, for them to feel like, 
you know, that they have someone who knows how to handle their hair texture and knows what to do with it. Definitely. I think it's very, very important. And I'm hearing the conversation more often now. And I think it's definitely a great, you know, start. I know that there's been some strides, but we still have a long way to go in this community. Mm -hmm. And there hasn't been a change within the uh, cosmetology schools in the United States yet. But I do think that that's something that needs to be taken on as well. We need to find out why and fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's, it's kind of typical in some ways of mm-hmm. everything that happens in this country. It's like, we're not a part of the conversation. We're not in the meetings. We're not raising the money. We're not, you know, we're not even considered. So when we show up, it's like, oh, oh, you needed something, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, like who'd you make this for? Who'd you make this school for? Who did you think was going to attend this school? You thought it, there would be no people of color attending this entire school? So, you know, like it's just amazing to me. But one of the, my favorite things to do is to, uh, you know, find these gaps in places where people have been forgotten and create something that empowers those people and also is an example of why inclusiveness is not just a kind thing to do. It's not just a thing that, you know, makes society better and warm and kumbaya. It's also profitable. And I think that when people see that, they will be more inclusive, even if it's for selfish reasons. And I think that still would be better for our society. Mm -hmm. Because even in like the cosmetic industry, we're seeing more, like, I think it's a lot easier for me to find my, my shade now, but I, I do remember a time when I could not find my shade and I had to get creative with that. Mm-hmm. And so it hasn't been that long where that was an issue. And a lot of companies ha- are starting to tackle that issue more and more because they understand that we're spending money in the industry. So the black dollar matters. And I think we actually have more control than we think with our dollar. So we have to, you, I think we should come together with this as well, because um, I, I believe more, there are more African-American licensed professionals in hair than it is any other. Um, yes, I believe it is. We, we, we go to school for cosmetology. We get licensed. Um, this is a craft that we do. And so therefore, uh, we definitely we've been able to educate ourselves and figure it out ourselves and and um, and that's great. And we've always been that way, creative, figuring out how to take, you know, lemons and turn it into lemonade. But at some yeah. point, there does need to be, you know, a more inclusive industry. And I think it does need to start with education. And I, I love that you decided to take the matter in your own hands and provide a community for, you know, hairstylists and people in the industry to get the education that's needed but I do want to see it across the board. And I think it starts with us speaking up more. We do need to show up at more of the meetings. We do need to let it be known that all textures matter. And I know it's not just the African-American issue because like you said before, there are other you know, nationalities that have texture hair, but I know mainly that's what we have. So that's what we deal with, right? right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 um, and I know we've, it, there's been so many issues when it comes to our hair. You know, it's, it's just interesting. There's been so many issues when it comes to our hair, even, um, you know, getting jobs and all of those things right. and being discriminated against for having dreadlocks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah how- our hair is political, for sure. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. It definitely is political, for sure. So um, I know it's just a start for you, for sure, with um, Crown Hunt. I, I definitely can see. So you named it the app. Are you going to create an app for Crown Hunt? Is that something that is in the works? That's a good question. Um, right now, we're considering a lot of things. I think we've been getting a ton of feedback um, since we launched in April. And uh, right now, I think we're focused on figuring out this marketplace, whether or not it be on web only or on an app. I think that's TVD. But um, we are definitely actively working on our next um, set of features and um, 
really can't wait to show everybody what else we have. But we are really open to feedback. We um, love partnerships. And so this is an evolving thing. You know, it's definitely what you see in Crown Hunt one day is, 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 a, is a speck of what it will become. Now, you must be very passionate about this subject, Stephanie, because you, you have a business. So that means you have to talk about texture hair and all the issues in the beauty industry. <laughs> <laughs> so how's that been so far? You know, it's really interesting, um, especially coming at this as a consumer. You know, there's like a lot of history and there's a lot of um, just industry knowledge that people have um, that, you know, I'm, I'm having to learn really quickly. But I like talking about the topic because I feel like, I mean, on one hand, hair can sound frivolous, like not deep, you know, but when you look at how our hair has been politicized, it's really fascinating. It shows you just quite frankly, the pettiness of racism, like down to your hair, like that's such deep attempt at a controlling a group of people that you can tell them how they wear their hair. It's pretty shocking uh, that that is, I mean, obviously we know this, but when you really think about that, it's like, wow, that's really deep that you want to control my hair, like mm-hmm. my hair, like how, like, how is that a thing? Um, But honestly, I like talking about what we're up to because I just really believe in um, persuading people to do the right thing, not by preaching to them, not by telling them, but by showing them that there's benefit to doing the right thing. I have a three-year-old son and he asks me different questions all the time, but he'll say, why is that person mean? Or why did this person do that? You know, something mean, he doesn't understand. He's trying to figure that out. Why is that? Why is he a bad guy? He'll ask me that, you know, and I always respond the same. And I say, because they don't know the value of being good or they don't know the value of doing good. And I really believe that. I think, of course, there's people who just don't care. But most people just don't understand the value of, you know, doing good. And I think that um, when it comes to this conversation around hair, it's like, there's a lot of value to be had in actually creating products for people that they need and that they want, creating experiences for them that they need and that they want. And when people understand like the value of doing that economically, they'll be convinced themselves. And so I think that that's really what I'm after. So I don't get too deep in the conversation just because uh, I got work to do and I got to save my energy. But I do like creating the space for people to see, oh, there's success over there. What's working? Inclusion is that's what's working. <laughs> right. So I get I get a little sassy around the topic because I just I've been in so many spaces. Or like I have people say, oh, that's a nice niche market that you're going after. It's like 14 million black people is not niche. Also, we're not exclusively black. Also. Did you know that curly to coily hair is 65% of our population? So it's actually the majority. Wow. And when you start saying those type of things to people, it's like, oh, that's not niche at all. It's like, no, actually what has been on the shelves is niche. Wow. I didn't realize it was 65% of the population that had curly or coily hair. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. If you think about it, it makes sense. It's like all Black people is most you know, Latino people, it's um, lots of Greek people, Italians, Jewish people, like, think about that. That's hella people. That's like everybody almost. So it's actually more common than it is rare. But it's absolutely not attended to. Yeah, it's like forgotten, right? Like, the, yeah, definitely. And it's time for a change to be made and sometimes you have to be the change that you want to see right <laughs> absolutely and it's fun it's really fun I really I, I absolutely love what I'm doing and I think that you know um having fun is so much a part of 
what I'm about. It's not something I think people talk about enough, especially like adults, professional adults. It's always like rigid and like corporate and blah, blah, blah. And that's just not me at all. I think if, you know, the tech industry helps me a lot with that because in the tech industry, you have people who are wearing, you know, sweatpants and backpacks and they get paid $250,000 to be, you know, a developer or whatever. And they do their thing. They look how they want to look. They talk how they want to talk. They do their own thing. And that's that version. But what does it look like when we can truly be ourselves and be leaders and, you know, feel good. So I'm trying to walk the talk, you know, like I'm trying to wear my hair how I wanna wear it as I'm going out and, you know, trying to raise money, you know, with funders. So I think that that, I'm trying to be an example of, you know, the expression of being free with our hair as well. I love that, I love that. I, I am too, I think, I would say like, in like 2010, um, more of us decided to embrace it. And I, I've definitely seen a shift because I remember it was one day I was in a car with my daughter and I saw a lady and her daughter walking down the street and they both had Afro puffs, right? And I told my daughter that when I was a little girl, I didn't see anything like that. This episode is sponsored by Coleman Tax hoping you see the beauty in your numbers. Coleman Tax is a boutique tax firm that exclusively serves beautypreneurs. We help you save money by using tax planning and by getting your beauty business finances organized for you to make the best decisions for your business. Book your free tax strategy call at thebeautycpa.com. Yeah, I mean, we grew up like with saying you need to do something to fix your hair like there was nothing more terrifying than like getting your hair wet when it wasn't supposed to be wet and that is why the reason was because all of a sudden it was going to be thick and you know your curls were going to go away and you're going to it was going to shrink and you have your little afro and like I think we all grew up like that for the most part and then a shift happened you know 2009, 2010, sometime around there. And people started to really embrace their natural hair texture and they wanted to show it off and it became a, a thing of pride. And I think that that was just an outward example, outward symbol really of what was happening internally, culturally in the black community. And it's still happening now. You know, last year was a huge awakening um, in our country around race. But I think within the Black community itself, what has been unlocked is people are taking risks being themselves. You know, you're starting to see that so much more, whatever that is, like, you know, wearing your hair natural or saying no, or like Simone Biles, she just, uh, you know, this is like the current thing that just happened, but you know, Simone Biles just dropped out of the Olympics for mental health reasons. Um, Naomi Osaka, another person who has done some things that she, what's right for you? Like what is right for you? And I think that this movement that's happening right now, and I mean specifically within the black community, not even the wider awakening that's happening is that I feel like we're starting to be who we are at home outside. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's always been like, when black people get together, we can be like, oh, you know, we feel so relaxed. We feel at home. We talk how we want to talk. We dress how we want to dress. We do our thing. We twerk. We like, you know, we do all the stuff we that we, you know, we do us. But then when we go outside, it's like this, you know, it's the code switching. We go outside and we start, you know, we dress different. We talk different. Our voice is different. You know, like we do all these things to be palatable to the world around us. And I love that we're starting to just be like, F that. Like, we're not doing that no more. We're going to be ourselves because why can't I be, you know, why can't I wear Jordans and also be a tech entrepreneur? Why? Why can't I do that? You know, we watch, and I think being in the tech industry really riled me up with that because I saw a bunch of like, and I, there's no disrespect. I love these people, but I saw a bunch of people, college dropouts, they wear backpacks and flip-flops and shorts to work every day, getting paid 
a lot of money and being very respected. And it's just like, well, how come when we do our thing, we feel so inferior, we feel like we won't be respected. And I think hair goes along with that. So that I am very passionate about. It's just like, can we be ourselves? And one of the things about this experience of becoming an entrepreneur and starting to like get more public with our company that I think is really rewarding for me is that I get to be an example of what does it look like to succeed, but also just like do it your way and be authentically who you are and um, not have that be something that holds you back, but actually something that, that sets you apart and allows you to really thrive. Awesome. I, I feel that there is a shift and I, I know it's with us, but I think even across the board with everyone since the pandemic, because what I realize is that more and more people are just like, I'm done with doing things that I don't want to do. I'm done with being fake. I'm done with acting this way. I'm just, I just want to be me. And what I've noticed is, especially um, amongst the Black community as well, a lot, a lot of people have decided to just bet on themselves and start businesses. And like you said, wear their hair the way they want to wear it. And all of those things, like um, I can be professional and run a successful business and have box braids. Like there's nothing ghetto or, you know, unprofessional about that. And I love to see more and more of us embracing ourselves, embracing our natural beauty, embracing um, who we are as a people and just really being true to, to themselves. I always talk about that too. Like the free, when, when you're freed, when you can be you. It's mm-hmm. freeing when you can just truly be you. You don't have to be fake or nothing. When I can be me, that's when I'm just like the most free. And so- Mm-hmm. And one thing I've been striving to do is just do more of that, do more of me, do more of what makes me happy, do more of what is true to who I am and stop trying to be a carbon copy of everybody else because we all were created uniquely different and, and that's okay. And we need to embrace our uniqueness instead of shunning people for being different, embrace it because we're all different, no matter if and we're the same race so- or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I see that the thing is that shows sauce anyway. Like the some of the advantages, because I've been in lots of diverse communities. I have a very diverse life and lifestyle. So I'm not, you know, I'm coming at this with a whole bunch of different things in, you know, in my experience. But like what I have observed is that one of the advantages that white people have is the freedom to be themselves. They're not overthinking a lot of times. They're walking into the room with, especially white men, walking into the room with confidence that what they're doing is enough and who they are is enough. And even though I think culturally, it has been advantageous for black people to think we gotta be faster, smarter, work harder, whatever, that definitely has its benefits and it has pushed a lot of us to accomplish amazing things. I also think though that there is a certain amount of anxiety and stress that we have all just accepted as part of our life that I think some of that we could reduce if we just accepted ourselves and like didn't worry about how the people who were watching us thought about how we, you know, like how they were judging us. And I know that that's um, way easier said than done. I'm absolutely not trying to oversimplify the situation because I get it. I understand it's complex, but at the same time, it's like you, if you at peace, that's a good thing. If you feel confident, that's a good thing. If you're happy, that's a good thing. If you created something that you truly love, that's a good thing. And nobody can take that away from you, whether they accept you or not. And if we can't be ourselves, we won't. It's hard to find that special thing that helps you excel because, you know, excellence is not normal. (laughs) So to be excellent, it's like you have to be able to be in your body, be in your mind, relax, and like, then the ideas come to you. But when you like constantly trying to calculate how everybody else is going to think about what you're doing, it does take away some of your energy. And so I'm grateful for this moment that we have. And I'm definitely more 
in this headspace than I've ever been. Last year really changed me too. It wasn't, you know, I was, I was definitely deeply affected by this past season and, you know, it was hard and it's still hard, but I also think that one of the things I came out of it with was, ain't nobody gonna punk me out of being myself. Not anymore. I so love if, it. That, if that works for me and it ends up being a success story, great. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not giving that up. So if it works, phenomenal. I hope that encourages other people to also do their own thing and be themselves. If it don't work, I'm still going to be happy that I chose myself. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> and that's that like Simone Biles kind of vibe is just like, you got to do you. And like how people feel about it is whatever. She knows she a goat and nobody could take that away from her. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So I know you haven't even been in business with Crown Hunt a year yet, but you've definitely made some strides. You're doing some great things. So share with us, like, what has been your greatest lesson you've learned so far since you've started this business? Wow, that's a good question. The greatest lesson. I think one of the things is that, like, I cannot even though it sounds kind of boring, I cannot understate the importance or overstate, I should say, the importance of research. If you're building something, even if you love it, even if you think it's cool, even if you whatever, like do your research, talk to the people who, um, you know, buy your products, talk to the people who you're making things for, get feedback over and over and over again. That is the only way to create something that sells out you have to keep getting feedback so I would say that's a huge one and it's so easy to just fall in love with your own ideas and then go off and spend a bunch of money building something and you didn't realize that you didn't ask the right questions and now you have this expensive thing that you've built that nobody wants or not enough people want to make it make sense and so even though that's kind of a boring answer to that question I think that that is absolutely the best advice I would give any person trying to create a business. I think it's some great advice because you have to make sure that there's a need for the business that you're creating. So while it may be a good idea to you, it may sound great to you, survey the market, research the market, find out if there's anything out there like you, what you're looking to do and we don't ask people for their opinion and is, is there a need? Um, don't just pop out there and start something and there's not even really a need for it, you know? Like, have you ever seen, like, for instance, there is a um, a local uh, furniture store that went out of business and then another furniture store took it over. They went out of business. And now there's like another furniture store in there. I'm like, <laughs> maybe somebody should have did some market research because <laughs> clearly that don't need to be a furniture store, but we'll see what, what, how the third one does, right? Seriously. <laughs> I just thought about that when we were talking about like just research the market. Like sometimes, yeah, definitely research it. And, uh, but I, I think that's that's definitely some great advice for sure, for sure. Now, what have you learned like far as like you're you're in the beauty? Beauty is an interesting world. So you've been dealing with a lot more beauty professionals, you know, uh-huh. helping to provide education on your platform. You know, so what have you learned working with beauty professionals that you didn't really know before about the industry? I mean, I think that I admire um beauty professionals so much I think there's so much innovation I think they are some of the most talented creative business savvy people and they are so underestimated and I and the thing that I just want to like continuously do with Crown Hunt is create economic opportunities for them to succeed to make more money to you know be able to create new things and um so I I think that I always felt positive about hair professionals, but this experience has really uh, allowed me to see the type of innovation. Like that's not a word people typically use when they're talking about stylists, you know, like outside of the hair professional world. But the truth is, I think there are a lot of underserved entrepreneurs in this space that, um, you know, it's time. 
they they need to get the resources to to level up because they are incredibly talented and under-resourced. And so that's a bit of the mission that I'm on. Awesome. I would agree with that. I, I do believe there's some very talented people in this industry and um, more resources are definitely needed for sure. Because like you said, you can't fault some of the people. Some people just didn't have, maybe they didn't have the local um, Black you know, school that can help. Because sometimes, sometimes your local area may have a Black cosmetology school where you can learn certain things because that's what they specialize in. But if you didn't, you know, experience that, it's easy for even us to sometimes lack the knowledge on how to care for our own hair. And so it really stems way back. And, I, and I'm just really excited for us to continue to learn and to get better. I think, um, you know, knowledge is power if we use it. So now that we know, we knew, we always knew it was an issue, but I think we're opening the eyes to more uh, people in this country. And hopefully we can start to make some shifts with that for sure. Absolutely. I, I think that there is a lot of change that's coming. I think we may not see it right now everywhere we go, but I, it's absolutely happening. I am in lots of conversations with people who know this is an issue, who are working hard to change it. And so Crown Hunt is just one of many, right? Like we're not going to single-handedly, you know, like of fix course. this texture gap. But but as we're out and marketing, we're talking to people and talking to other entrepreneurs. There's a lot of people who are thinking about this, who are um, passionate about fixing this problem. And I think even the cosmetology schools are trying to figure out, you know, what's their next move? How are they going to be more inclusive? How are they going to, um, you know, provide uh, more education on this? So I, I think it's a movement. It's a movement for sure. Definitely. It definitely is a movement for sure. Um, that's needed. And um, I'm happy to see more and more of these conversations. And I want to continue, you know, having, you know, more conversations about, you know, just inclusivity and texture and just providing education and not, you know, um, leaving out anyone, you know, everyone needs to be included, you know, not just one particular um, race, but all of us, we all matter. And um, I think that is definitely something that is important for sure. So tell me this, like what types of education classes do you offer right now on Crown Hunt? Like you don't have to name them all, but if you give like, you know, some of them. Yeah, um, we have a class uh, right now from Mickey Wright, who is um, an educator that's been in this space forever. She, um, her salon was one of the first um, black owned salon and day spas in the country. Um, and she has a class right now, how to increase your income without um, up raising your prices. And I think that's a really big thing right now because a lot of stylists were prior to the pandemic really relying on back to back and like double booking in order to really meet the, the salary requirements that they have for themselves. And so COVID really changed that because now you can't pack out the salons or a lot of people are only seeing people one at a time or they have like those single salon suites. And so they're not able to basically pack out their calendar in order to make this money. So it's a really relevant class. I think it's very timely. That's one of the ones that we have right now. Uh, we recently ended a feature deal with um, Camilla who calls herself the queen of knotless. Uh, but she's got a pretty impressive resume. She was has worked with Madonna. She's worked with Beyonce. She's the the wigs actually for Sesame Street, the two new black characters uh, that came on last year. So she's definitely someone who has serious cred. And we had a, a knotless braids class with her, teaching her method. Um, but we're expanding. So again, if you, if any of you uh, teach classes, please reach out to us. We're definitely uh, looking to add a lot more and to build out that library uh, that I've been talking about. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'll make sure all of that information is there. So tell me, Stephanie, you're doing a lot of things. You're a mom, you're a wife, you got your business going and everything. How do you stay motivated? <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. First is extremely motivating to me to be creating a business that I know 
has the opportunity to affect a lot of other business owners. Um, so that's one thing that keeps me motivated. But also, um, I just pursue fun. I'm trying to have fun in everything I do. And what does that look like? How can you have fun doing this? Well, bringing my real self to it, you know, presenting myself the way that, you know, I always wanted to, but maybe didn't because I was afraid of, um, you know, what people, how would they receive me if I was like dressed down and like, this is the podcast, I should describe the way I look right now because I feel like people don't know. But, you know, got on some Air Force Ones and some shorts and a hoodie you know, like with a little small, tiny Afro uh, with blonde on top, you know, like just being able to express myself however I feel, that keeps me motivated, that, that I'm basically creating a space for myself where I feel welcome. That is actually a pretty big motivation for me. And when that's not enough and when you're feeling like down, like where do you go to get what do you go to learn to empower yourself? Is there like a particular book you read, podcast you listen to? Like, what should we be tapping into? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay. So one thing I do a lot is I, like any particular celebrity or person that I follow that I think um, is really inspirational to me. So, you know, one person who's a huge inspiration to me is a woman that, by the name of Angela Benton. She has a company called Streamlytics and um, it's based out of Miami. But any person that I see that I meet that is like, got, you know, they're doing something that I admire. I like go and I watch their interviews. I read their books. I like just really check them out and make sure and, and just learn from them everything that I can. So that's that's really a big source of inspiration for me. Um, also traveling and being able to be around people who are really passionate about their craft and like passionate about their local community is a really big inspiration to me too. Like I know travel is pretty crazy right now, um, but I'm actually in Cincinnati right now. Um, at I'm sitting doing this interview inside of this really dope, place called the gallery at gumbo and it's in cincinnati they have a barbershop in the front and an art gallery in the back from all of these black artists and it's just like the dopest thing ever it's black owned um by a by a guy named rico grant and it's just like putting yourself in spaces that keep you inspired surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you want to do and that just like it, it grows you it, it helps you really um stay inspired because if it's just you by yourself on your couch with your laptop like you're gonna get tired you have to continuously put yourself in environments where you remember all right this is like there's more people like me who are doing this and they're they're inspired their inspiration inspires me and we kind of go back and forth you know awesome and by the way I was looking at that artwork behind you and I was like that's pretty (laughs) dope like yeah I kept looking at it so yeah yeah it's amazing like this this space I'm in is unbelievable. If you're in Cincinnati, you should go to the Gallery at Gumbo. It's on Main Street um, in downtown Cincinnati, and it's pretty amazing. Awesome. I'll have to check the Gallery at Gumbo out. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So tell us this. Um, you're, you know, you had you started your business in well, April last year, so you're not quite a year old yet. April this April, year. This year, actually. right? This year, really. Yeah. April, <laughs> Which is pretty year. nuts. Yeah, that's when we wow. launched our alpha products. But you've had a lot of growth, like rapid growth. I know you should be close to a thousand members already. Your, I love your social media page. It's so fun and creative. And I just love like all of the, you know, hair on there, all of the beautifulness that I see on your page. And so I can see that you have some experience with marketing and the whole brand story and everything. So what advice would you give to the beauty community? Like what, if you had one tip you could give that has grown your business so rapidly and help you with marketing and branding, what would it be? Know the story that you're trying to tell. You know, ours is one of celebration of um, the innovation in, in, in hair in general, but starting by celebrating the black innovators in hair. Like if you know the story you're trying to tell, and it, you can do this as a hairstylist too. Like um, Camilla does an excellent job. She 
has branded herself as the the queen of knotless. Um, she is hilarious and she has a lot of personality and like her she's doing reels and on her story on Instagram and all that type of stuff. Um, but her to me, if I were to try to summarize in some ways, like she has a very strong understanding of what her brand is and she's telling the story which is this it doesn't have to be hard you can do it too um and and that's why people come to her is to, to get that so I think just understanding what what are you trying what do people come to you for and don't make it generic make it specific awesome tell the story so you're techie I know you're a tech nerd so what's your favorite tool or app that you use to operate your business Girl, Canva. We just talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Canva is like the best app ever. If you, especially, actually, this is a great tool for for stylists because you can edit anything. You can um, create like great graphics for um, Instagram. Um, you can like delete the background of your photos and like add new backgrounds, which is pretty cool. Like Canva is my go-to, and they have a mobile app and they have a desktop app. So like you can do it on the go if you need to just post something real quick. You don't have to be at home or, you know, with a computer, you could just do it on your phone. But honestly, I think Canva is probably one of my most used apps. I use it for everything. Like most of the stuff you see on Crown Hunt was created with, with Canva. So that's probably the best tool I could offer anybody. <laughs> right, right. Yep. That yeah, and then I'll plug and then I'll plug also um get you a mindfulness app or a meditation app or something like that, because keeping your mind right, you can have all the skills in the world. The hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is the psychology of being an entrepreneur. It is having confidence in yourself. It is getting back up when you make a mistake. It is being able to communicate well with other people. You know, like it's so much of it, believing in yourself, overcoming the crap that's been in your head your whole life, overcoming the crap that people told you when you were a kid. Like it's really deeply psychological. Like if you win, you win because you overcame yourself, truly. Yes, girl. Okay, you just said a whole <laughs> word right there. A whole entire word. But most people, they think it's so many things, but in in reality, it's your mindset. And once you can figure out how to program your mindset and reshift it, reshift it, because there's so many things always coming and so many thoughts, but that's why we have to work on our mind and program our mind and shift the way we think. And it's very important. Like you said, entrepreneurship, this is not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It could be very rewarding, but it's not easy. And it's not for everybody because of the, it takes, you know, having the right mindset. You have to have a growth mindset. It's for mature people. Mm-hmm. It's for mature people because you're going to have to work on yourself. And there's a lot of decisions that you have to make, um, you know, that affect other people. How are you going to how are you going to be in business with people? How are you going to support your customers? How are you going to make deals? How are you going to support your team, your staff, your employees? Like all that stuff is like, you know, we all have this vision of what we think the world should look like. But when you own a business, you start to actually do that or you don't, right? So if you want to be greedy and you don't want to share, then you'll have what you need and other people won't. And then that's also reflecting in the world around you, you know? So I think it's like one of those experiences where you get to to participate in what you think the world should look like. And it usually means sacrifice, right like it's not all sacrifice but it for sure is especially early on if you want to have integrity you want to treat people well you typically will be you know there's risk involved in that and but it's worth it and that's what I I believe (laughs) I believe it too it's worth it it is worth it awesome awesome so what's either your favorite quote or mantra that you live by oh my goodness um I do what I want. <laughs> Love it. Oh no, no, no. I think I I don't I don't know. I think that like I said, fun is really important to me. I'm always trying to have fun. I don't think people have enough fun, especially women, especially women in business, especially mothers who are in business. 
uh, fun becomes a thing that people don't even think about. It's just like all about the grind. It's all about the hustle. It's all about, you know, making a bunch of money, whatever. Like I'm trying to have a good time. And I want the people who work with me to have fun too. And I think that cultivating joy to me should go, it has, it's my method. Like if people are like, how are you doing all that? It's cause I'm trying to, I'm having fun. That's how. And I don't always have fun. Like there's moments where I'm stressed or I'm worried or whatever. And when that happens, I just like let it go. I, I give into it. Like if, if I'm having an off day and I just can't, um, you know, I, I take the break I need. I stop, I pause, I take a walk, I work out, I do something to reset myself mentally, um, to get back in that space where I can be joyful. Great, great. Well, Stephanie, it has been awesome chatting with you on today. He wants to again share um, all the information about Crown Hunt and how everybody can find you online. Yes, our website is crownhunt.io. If you're a stylist and you want to take classes on uh, textured hair or even on the hair business, uh, you want to sign up with us. Membership is free. Um, so membership is free. We're just purchasing classes. And then um, if you are an educator and you have some classes out there, please contact us. We would love to talk. Um, and yeah, we are. Yeah, I think that's, that's the announcements I have right now. Thanks, Stephanie. Stephanie LaFleur, everyone. Crown Hunt, everybody. I'll definitely leave all the information in the show notes. I'll definitely leave all the information in the show notes. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.